Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm Orion Williams, and I'm uh, and I'm running this show. I don't know if you knew that, Peter. You're the captain of this ship. I, I, I'm claiming it. No, no one claimed captain, so I'm I'm going to do that. And then uh, my first mate uh, this week. <laughs> Your little buddy. <laughs> What's that? That's what the skipper called Gilligan. Is that right? They called him little buddy. All right. Most of you, if you're listening and you don't know, Peter actually pays all the bills. So, <laughs> He's okay. anyway, so yeah, the Peter's the other guy, Peter Willis. Glad to have you on the show as usual, Peter. I'm glad to be on, on your my show, show right? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, we're on episode 25, which uh, I think the official term for that escapes me, but it's it's like the. Is it the silver anniversary? It probably is. It's like the it's the by twenty plus five, I think anniversary, anniversary. It's but it's twenty five. That's a quarter. That's a quarter of a hundred. It is a quarter of a hundred. So if we keep going, it is the silver anniversary. Is it? Nice it work. is. Yeah. So we're in that. We're we're in that moment right now. So yeah. embrace that. Okay. Send us silver. <laughs> oh wait, no. And scones, <laughs> please. Where are the scones? Uh, we're, we're doing this show because we love talking about the Bible and we love just hanging out with each other. Uh, and we get to do both on, on that. So we're going to talk Bible while we hang out. And uh, we're in the book of Luke. We're in chapter three. But I want to tell you first, if you want to know where to send the scones, you know, you can email us for the address. And our email address is podcast at morethanhearers.com. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash more than hearers. You can hit us up directly if you want to exclude one or the other of the scones or the silver. Um, you can hit up Peter, send him silver at MTH <laughs> underscore Peter. Scones at the ready at Orion plays music. I, I await your scones. Uh, that's us. That's my intro spiel. I actually have in my notes scones. So I, I think. That how, was important to me at some point. How is that? I have Superman and scones, and I remember why Superman that came up <laughs> in a podcast. But the scones, it's here; it's permanent. I get, I, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I kind of remember the Superman reference, sort of. But longtime what, listener Peter remembers the Superman yeah. reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm not ready for this. I, I mean, I'm I'm ready for uh, Luke chapter three. I'm just I'm ready for you not to be ready for this. Is that fair? I usually prep. Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. Yeah, that's what I do. Okay, anyway, uh, you'll have to bear with me today. I am going to try and do this podcast with a cough drop in my mouth. I'm going to may even have to unwrap another along the way, but I'm going to try not to. But it's either that or I hack through your ears or into your ears. Uh, It's not going to come out right. I don't want to cough into my microphone. When you said hack, I was thinking of... uh... Like a cyber I, attack. I, I realized that's why yeah. I clear, I just that's stopped. Because he was talking about hacking a loogie or something. Ugh, I wasn't going to go <laughs> there, but now that we've earned somebody's lunch, I apologize. Well, Peter also crashed a snowmobile. Allegedly. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I don't have any proof. I just, I'm going on. If, if a snowmobile and a tree get into a fight, uh, the rider of the snowmobile loses. And the tree and the snowmobile both win. Little pro tip from the More Than Hearers podcast. No more needs to be discussed about it other than that. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it still hurts. I'll be fine. Luke chapter 3. Hopefully, uh, you've been keeping up and you enjoyed uh, Luke chapter 2, last episode, kind of the 
Christmas story, if you will. Uh, we're, the Bible makes a big time jump. So Luke chapter 2 ended with uh, Jesus the boy uh, at the temple. Uh, his parents take off without him. They come back and find him in the temple, uh, chatting it up with the teachers of the law. Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? End scene. His mom and dad are freaked out. And we fast forward. Uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 1. And I want to give you a a little piece of background before I start reading. The piece of background is this. The author of Luke is a guy named Steve. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's a guy named... Yeah. I wasn't going to let you get away with that. (laughs) It was funny to me. I'm sorry if it wasn't funny to you. And Luke wrote the book of Luke as well as the book of Acts. And one thing he does really well in both books is... to give authenticity to his stories, his accounts, is he gives a lot of specific names, both people names and place names and time names, to, to show his audience when and where these things happen. Because the audience at the time it was written would have gone, I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it seems almost like an un... Like an unwarranted amount of detail too. Like it's like I don't I don't need that much detail, but because of his documenting that stuff, we're still uncovering you know archaeologically evidence of these things that he just addressed. Like they were you know the, the local the local places or the people that that history has had yet to prove you know or verify, and then it still continues to come out. Oh yeah, well no, we've known about that. You know, Bible thumpers are like yeah that. We've known about that for two thousand years, right? And the rest of the world's just catching up because we, we already had a book found that an said old it. stone, right, buried in the ground somewhere or whatever. It's just—it's funny that he did it. It's just—it's an evidence to me of God's faithfulness in a way that he, yeah, that he put that on his heart to document that. Exactly, and so that's that's how Luke three opens. It says, "In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea." Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of two places I can't pronounce, and Licinius was tetrarch of Abilene, which I think is in Texas, if mm, I'm not mistaken. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's probably somewhere else. In verse 2, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And we talked about this a little bit last episode where we now know it's the year 2018. But at the time, it wasn't the year 31. They they weren't counting from before Christ and after Christ because, well, most of them, he hasn't entered the scene apart from making his parents mad at the temple. And so this is how they recorded a date. It would be like, I was trying to think of a significant moment in our lifetime. It'd be like uh, in the year 2001, uh, during the first term of George W. Bush, when I don't know, remember who was governor of California at the time, but um, it would be like trying to reference something in 2001 that we're trying to reference 9-11 that way. Yeah, sure. Of, you know, in the second year of the first term of George W. Bush and when Dick Cheney was vice president and I yeah. think Gray Davis was governor of California, but oh, it might see, have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't remember. I, yeah, like I, I forgot about Gray Davis. So yeah, I was thinking there was a Wilson, and then before that was the Brown. But then we're at Brown again. Pete Wilson was governor <laughs> when I was a teenager, so okay. I'm pretty sure it was probably so I'm I don't in know, a time somebody. Anyway, yeah. But anyway, that's so glad we don't record time that way now. Yeah, because <laughs> but he's giving who was where, so that it would give you an, uh, a reference of when and where this was. 
Um, uh, and the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, which was, of course, uh, Luke chapter 1. We learned about uh, John, uh, his dad, Zechariah. Um, his parents are Mr. and Mrs. The Baptist. So it's Zechariah the Baptist and his son John the Baptist. Sorry, it's a really bad joke. Verse 3. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth. All the people will see God's salvation. It's Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's some fire and brimstone preaching right there. I love that stuff. Yeah. I like it, personally. <laughs> it's so funny. I was just having this conversation with somebody about a week ago. I love to hear fire and brimstone type teaching, but I can't teach it at all. I'm not comfortable with it. It's obviously... Uh, at least I say, obviously, I've never felt led by God to go there. Um, it's just not where he's put me. But do you you feel it's valid now as a, oh, as a teaching style? I don't know. I like it. Okay. Have you ever read uh, Jonathan Edwards' uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? I've I've performed it i've have, i've what yeah I've, I've read the i've read it but performed it with the wrath uh, as a, a demonstration tw- I, twice how, uh, what how did i not know this it never came up you it's one of my me. favorite things yeah i love it it's a it's I a hard read but it's a great read yeah it's it's good stuff i think personally i just i don't know that i mean do we don't have any record of jesus no, like getting to that level, except for with the money changers in the temple, and and that wasn't preaching. I mean, and everything. Got on some is, Pharisees here and there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to interpret tone, or you know, you know, what was his tone? We just have the words, but yeah. the, the the fire and brimstone stuff. Uh, I mean, people have said, I don't know that it's true, but that Jesus talked more about hell than about you always hear these things jesus talked more about x than y and it's like and talked more about money than anything else <laughs> so give to your local <laughs> parish uh, or whatever yeah i mean like I, I i don't know how much value you can put into that even if the word appears a bunch of times um because he was always talking about the kingdom of god that's what he was fo- his focus was yeah. that's what he was about yeah so to speak so his father's business as he said at the end of last week all right episode Week episode, week week episode. Yeah, it might have been a week episode. A time unit. Oh, oh, wait. <laughs> I won't admit it. And I want to cover this before we keep going because I I could just read straight through this. It's I love it. But um, Orion and I had this discussion a while back, and I did a little bit of research of it because John's baptizing out on the Jordan River before Jesus' ministry starts. What was baptism 
before Jesus. Right. Because in 2018, which is when we're recording this episode, it is very close to 2019, honestly. In the 2000 teens, baptism is considered to be a primarily Protestant or at least Christian, and that would encompass the Catholic Church maybe, tradition. Uh, not tradition. Um, uh, Commandment? Right. Um, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, uh, ceremony? Aha, there you go. That's Yeah, it's a, it, it very much associates with followers of Jesus. Uh, baptism is you get saved, you know, become a follower of Jesus, and then you become baptized. John is baptizing before anyone can follow Jesus. Right. Because Jesus hasn't gone, follow me yet. He actually kicks it off by getting baptized. baptized. Yeah. In the name it's, of yourself, your dad, and <laughs> the spirit within you. And that guy. <laughs> that, that, that other one we don't know how to define, really. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That would have been awesome to be there for that part of things. But what was this? And it, it's really actually better in Luke than I remember it being. Because um, John was, it, it says in... Uh, back to verse 3, he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then he quotes this whole thing from Isaiah. And he he says, uh, John said to the crowds, verse 7, coming out to be baptized, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our fathers. Father, so there was this, there had become this attitude amongst Jews of we're going to live how we want to live, and periodically we'll bring a sheep to the temple and cover all that up and go right back to living how we want to live. And God had been criticizing Israel as a whole for that for hundreds, if not thousands of years. This was the problem between Israel and God. It's why they ended up in Assyrian captivity. It's why they ended up in Babylonian captivity. It's why they're occupied by Rome at this point in time. God is tired of bailing them out and then having them go back to live how they want. There's other scriptures in the Old Testament where God talks about preferring obedience over sacrifice. He would rather there be no sin than for the people to offer up offerings for their sin. And so that's what John was doing is he was preaching this baptism or this washing of yourself to more than just sacrifice for your sins. This washing, renewing of repentance. We've talked about it in church a hundred times. If you haven't heard it before, I'm sorry both that you haven't heard it. And if you've heard it before, I'm sorry that you have to hear it for the thousandth time. Repentance isn't just, oh God, I'm really sorry I did that. Uh, but I'm probably going to do it again. Or just, God, I'm really sorry that I did that, and then going back and living the same way you were. Repentance is about turning from your behavior. Uh, it's, uh, I've even heard the, the Greek behind it is to turn 180 degrees and go in the opposite direction. It was, what John was preaching was more than just a sacrifice for the covering of your sins, but living a new life apart from sin, this lifestyle of repentance. He says, don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, because that was 
That was the out for the Jews of we're God's chosen people. It's fine. What's God going to do? Choose somebody else? Which, pro tip, that's what's going to happen. He's going to choose everybody else. Um, But that was the attitude. And because John goes, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And if you are at all a student of your Bible, this echoes so well what Jesus, the conversation Jesus had with his disciples, John 14, 15, 16-ish, I can't remember exactly, where he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches, and you've got to abide in me. Anyone who doesn't produce fruit is going to be cut off. Um, Other places it talks about being cut off and thrown into the fire. Paul references it in, oh, we did Romans. Uh, Paul references it in Romans. He says, if God's not afraid to cut off the natural branches, he'll cut off the grafted-in ones that aren't producing fruit either. And this all started here with John, where he goes, it's more than just being God's chosen people. We've got to live different. He says, uh, the axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And I love verse 10. What shall we do then, the crowd asked. And here's why I love verse 10. It's a lot like Acts. If you've studied Acts at all, and if you haven't, uh, it's totally suggested to you. We may do it here at some point in time. Um, I just got done teaching Acts elsewhere. But I'm enamored by the preaching in Acts, especially early on where like the day of Pentecost when Peter preaches, and there's a couple other times. His messages as they're recorded in the text are meh. At one point, he actually just calls out his whole audience and just calls them. just tells them they're terrible. And then he asks everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. Mm. And he puts on some spooky music yes. and asks them to just slip up their hand quietly so the ushers could slip them a little something they could fill a out. A pamphlet or something. No, he just calls everybody out and says, you murdered Jesus. You're lucky he likes you. Figure it out. Drops the mic. And 3,000 people stand up and go, Sir, sir, before you go, uh, what must we do to be saved? I, that's why I like, and maybe I like the whole fire and brimstone thing, is that maybe it just leaves you empty-handed and you've got to call out. Like, you didn't give me a soft lead-in to Jesus here. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want this. What do I have to do? And that's why I love this verse, because... He just goes, look, don't use Abraham as an excuse. Don't nothing. If you're not producing fruit, God's going to cut you off and throw you into the fire. And people go, I don't, I don't want fire. No, I don't fire want fire. Bad. Yeah. fire. Fire bad. <laughs> right? How convenient there's water right here. So they go, what should we do then? And John goes, anyone who has two shirts should share it with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. And then it goes on to say, even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And he says the craziest thing. Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. I want to give you some background here um, because tax collector is going to come up more often as we go through Luke. you got to understand tax collector in the day, in the context of the day. In America today, we don't really like tax collectors, but we do it. And I don't know if you know this or not, but unless you live in a state that doesn't have sales tax, (coughs) almost everybody you come in contact with, apart from your family and close friends, are tax collectors. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, no. they're collecting tax. Sure. If you go to the grocery store for groceries, they're collecting tax. We, we deal with tax collectors all the time. In this day and age... Uh, Rome was divided up into territories. There was probably a better term than this. And uh, they auctioned off the tax collector job. So well, it's like, like a debt, uh, like selling, buying and selling debt. Right, exactly. So yeah, it, uh, this region, uh, Caesar says he wants 4,200 denarii a year. I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, I know a denarius is a thing, but True. I don't know if that's a normal amount. Uh, some guy goes, I'll give him 43. Another guy goes, I'll go 45. Another guy says, I'll do 46. Sold to the guy in the bluish colored robe who said 46. And so he's got to get Caesar 4,600 denarii a year. He can collect whatever he wants, but he owes Caesar 4,600 a year. And so then tax collectors would collect whatever they could get out of people and just keep the rest. Well, so there's that sounds like a... Uh, decent, uh, viable, valid business model. Except this. Remember, not even remember, the context is is Israel at the time is an occupied country. Rome is a foreign, Gentile, non-believing, heathen government feeding off of God's chosen people in their promised land. They weren't really, like, loved by the Jews. And these tax collectors weren't other Romans. They were fellow Jews who sold out to Caesar to make a few bucks off their fellow Jews. Well, if that was their job, I guess what I'm asking is, if John's saying, don't collect any, don't collect any more than you are required to, did they, I, I, maybe I'm getting hung up on details. I just want to make sure they were getting paid like, if that's their job, they should be getting paid. They don't have to be ex- exorbitant about it, uh, obviously. But Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know enough to know that if it came with a salary or not. Yeah, okay. I, I guess that's the part that, that kind of I'm curious about. But whatever, I won't get stuck on it. Yeah, but uh, the point I want to make sure that the listeners understand is how despised they were by their fellow Jews because they'd sold out to this foreign government – and the thing they sold to get that is their fellow brothers and sisters in God. I, I want to say in the Lord, but that's a Jesus term, a, a Christian term. Um, I think I'm making sense. I hope I'm making sense. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Pop and a cough so, drop. Jeez, I think I might. It's coming pretty quick. Um, and so... Yeah, so that's that idea of who and what a tax collector was. So don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Verse 14, then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So this was a thing too. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John possibly might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. Just so you know, untying somebody's sandals wasn't really like a cool job. uh, It was a terrible job. It was an awful thing you didn't want to do because people's feet were disgusting. And he goes, I'm not even cool enough. 
to have an awful job in relation to this guy. Um, it's not worth an untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. If you want to laugh, if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, this is really serious. And these guys are funny sometimes. I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes. Uh, that verse is with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. I nearly just read it as, and with many other words, John extorted the people <laughs> and proclaimed the good news to them. As I was talking, I'm like, oh no, it's coming out. And thankfully, I caught it. So, cough drop number two. Um, thankfully, we saved that. He's using word uh, pictures here. This idea of threshing wheat, and Jesus has this winnowing fork. Of Many of you have heard this illustration before, but for those of you who haven't, the way wheat was separated from the rest of the plant at the time is it was all gathered in piles, and you threw it up into the wind. And the wind would blow the kernels or the chaff off of the kernels because it was lighter weight and the kernels would fall down to the ground. The chaff would blow into a separate pile and they'd gather that all up and burn it because it was worthless. What's the th- what's threshing? Separating the actual wheat grain from the rest of the wheat plant. So they had a um, some part when, of the ground, maybe, a, I, I want to say like a concrete slab, but I don't know what they had, but maybe they, they had usually like did it on a high point. Yeah, but then they would have also, it wanted, you'd want it to be either flat or bowl-shaped so as to collect right, exactly. the grains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you were throwing it up in the air, getting it all to separate. We have machines to do this now. but And you used a fork, a winnowing fork, to scoop some up, throw it up in the air, let it do its thing, grain would fall, the other stuff blew away. And he, he talks about Jesus coming and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He says his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor. His threshing floor is covered with people, followers of God, if you will. And he's going to gather the wheat or the usable part, the part that is fruit, into his barn. And he's going to burn up the rest with an unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Verse 19, 20, sort of a asterisk to this. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this uh, to them all, and he locked John up in prison. This didn't happen right here. It happened later on. Luke's telling it a little out of order, but it's because Luke's not going to revisit John again for quite some time. Other Gospels record John's baptism of Jesus. Other Gospels record uh, John uh, doing some other stuff in relation to Jesus, but this is kind of end scene for John for a little bit. And then we get into... 21. Oh, it, just kidding. It, it Sorry. It kind of throws in a little bit of Jesus' baptism. Sorry, I forgot it was there. I thought we went straight into the genealogy, but I was wrong. Verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. 
and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That verse uh, 22 is mm-hmm. one of the craziest things to me. I just don't, I don't understand. Why? That something that is spirit, mm-hmm. that is spirit, I mean, you could say the same thing about Jesus, really, but something that is spirit, the uh, Bible makes it very clear that you know the spirit is not flesh. They're at war with each other. They're different. They're opposite. Whatever you want to say, they are not the same. And that you can't even see spirit because... It's spirit. Yeah, because you have eyes of flesh. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't see spirit. You can't see spirit things with fleshy, fleshy eyes. Uh, but in this verse, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And other other uh, of the Gospels report this different. Like some say um, uh, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. It says like a dove here. I know, but it'll just say like a dove, like, oh, okay. Not so like, the in bodily form. You mean form. gently or yeah. whatever, you know. Like, So people have a, a, their their view of it, and, and there are many Christians who say, no, there was not like a physical manifestation here, except Luke. I think Luke's the only one that says it. But you get to Luke, and it's like, but that says the word in bodily form. And, and so I'm, I, I, of course, argue for the actual physical landing of the Holy Spirit on Jesus in the bodily form resembling a dove, but I don't know how to resolve that with my knowledge of the Spirit. So it's weird for me. I love it. I learned this word a while back. This word is conjecture. You've heard me use it before. I'm using it again Um, because of where I'm going to go with this. When I read this stuff, I try to put myself in time and place. For me, it helps the Bible come to life. We know that Luke wasn't present at this, so somebody had to tell it. And I wonder who told him, and I wonder what it was like. And I can almost hear it in my head, but again, I'm making this up, so sure. I can't tell you this is what happened. But he's talking to somebody who goes, oh, man, I was there at the, oh, when John baptized Jesus. It was crazy. And Luke goes, well, tell me what happened. He goes, oh, man, so Jesus goes down in the water, right, and he comes up, and, like, heaven opens, man. It was, and this spirit, it, like, I don't even know how to describe it to you. It was like it was like it was a dove. Like it looked like, but that's not it. But it was like, like a dove. Like it, it just settled. It's just like I don't know. The closest I can get for you, man, is it was kind of like a dove, and it just settled on him. And there was this voice from heaven that goes, "You're my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased." And I'm looking around like, who's saying this? Mm. And the only thing was, it sounded like it was coming from like the opening. It was like a dove, man. That's all I got. It, you should have been there. I, go ask uh, that guy. He was there. Ask him. It's like a dove, man. I don't know. That's, that's what all I said. I got. Yeah, that's what I told him. Yeah. <laughs> I told you. It was like, a, like, that's just this picture I get of this moment of sometimes when it comes to the things of God, our words aren't enough. All right. I, I Sure. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I wish you could see Orion's facial expression when yeah. he said that. He's not saying I'm right. He's saying no. You are. He gives up because sometimes I give up because you're right. You know. That's, okay, fine. I, I don't have to. <laughs> Why fight if if you're right? I don't have to be right. I just. Uh, I can't wait to that moment where we step into the throne room of God. <laughs> Our brain just goes, oh. 
Oh, oh man, totally like a dove. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, there's a whole other side of me that thinks we're going to get there and go, I don't really care. Just happy to be here. Anyway, verse, uh, I got way off track. Verse 23. Now, bear with me through these next verses. I normally wouldn't read them, except that I've committed, I've committed, we've committed, to go to the Bible verse by verse, and so why should I do some stuff? <laughs> oh, that first... I was ready for that, you to laugh. That first one. <laughs> Matt Hat. Okay, uh, we're getting there. Matt Hat got me. All right, sir. <laughs> All right, good luck. Start of verse 23. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, I love this, so it was thought, Mm -hmm. of Joseph. We know better. And there's a lot of son of, and there's some names I can do, and there's some names I can't do, so bear with me. So he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Orion was laughing (laughs) because it looks like it says Mad Hat. It's M-A-T-T-H-A-T. Mathat, Mad Hat, who knows? Sorry, Mad Hat, if that's your name. <laughs> the son of Levi, the son of Melki, the son of, I can't pronounce it, J-A-N-N-A-I, the son of Joseph. Wait a minute. Oh, d- different Joseph. Joseph the first. The son of, I've always wondered about this one, Mattahias, I don't know. The son of Amos, or Amos. The son of Nahum, the son of, I don't know. The son of Nagai, the son of, I can't do that one either. The son of the same name a few minutes ago I couldn't do either. The son of Semyon, it looks like. The son of Joseph, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of, I can't do that one. <laughs> the son of Zerubbabel, and I know him because he was a king. The son of Sheltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melki, the son of Adai, the son of Kaosam, the son of, I can't do it. The son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of, uh-uh, and the son of, it's Matt Hat again. <laughs> that was a common name. The son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonah, the son of Eliakim, <laughs> the son of, I can't do it, the son of Mena, the son of Madad, Madatha. <laughs> The son of Nathan, the son of David, that's so important. The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of, it looks like salmon, but it's salmon. The son of Nahashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. I know these ones. Could have stopped there. We know the rest. Oh, wait. The son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of... Nope. The son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of... I can't. The son of that guy, <laughs> the son of Arphaxed, the son of Shem. I know him. I know The, the son of one. Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah. Remember, 969 years old. The son of Enoch, who walked with God till he was no more. That's not in there, but I remember it. The son of Jared, the son of Icant, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the yes. son of God. <sighs> Sorry. If you feel like in that I somehow disrespect, disrespected the scriptures, I apologize. Not my intent. My Greek and my Hebrew are just terrible and better to skip them than to dwell on them. Orion, are those tears? Yes, sir. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the times where I was silent, I was unable to breathe. <laughs> Why is this in here? Anybody? Uh, this, is, this, is, this is so fantastic to be in here. Uh, the, uh, so far as we know it, uh, because I don't see how it works any other way, the unbroken genealogy between literally God creating the first man in the universe. And then, I mean, to, on record. Yeah. <laughs> all the way through Jesus's stepdad. Uh, amazing. I mean, that, that's because we think of uh, there's this scientific kind of tilt that we are exposed to and many people adopt that there is an unknowable amount of generations of people that have evolved over an unknowable number of Millennia. years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, when they put the, the numbers to it, you go, oh, oh okay. Uh, f- 50,000 sounds like a long time. Oh, wait, Cro-Magnon or whatever, Neanderthal. Like, you know, they throw, you throw like so a bunch of zeros and it's like, oh, okay, that was a long time ago. It kind of makes sense. But it doesn't really make sense. There, there's no... There's no way to make sense of it. We just all kind of nod and go, I get it. A bunch of babies had babies over many years. Uh, but this actually records every father, son, the whole path. Yeah. Back to the creation of man. And that's that's something for, I think, I, I, I spoke to earlier in the episode about um, the faithfulness of God, that he shows up and he gives us these things that we can cling to that are real things and just like that archaeological evidence that continues to show that the Bible was true when it, you know, these thousands of years uh, prior to us reading it now, that it's true in what it records, including this genealogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so cool, too, because we know from other areas of the Bible how much fulfillment of prophecy is in here. Um, and how much of the Bible story is woven in here? You said a couple of times, like, oh, I know, I know these names, like David, David, the king, the the greatest king, arguably, Israel ever had, inarguably, actually, excuse me, actually, um, back to guys like Abraham and Noah, Methuselah, like this is like Jesus' genealogy is like all of the greatest hits. Greatest action figures <laughs> that any Hebrew kid would ever want. Um, they're all in here. Um, uh, even uh, David's great-grandfather, Boaz, who married Ruth. Like, it's this is everybody. This is like the whole collector set of uh, Jewish action figures. And when you look at that, you go, oh, that's kind of cool. But then you back away from the Bible. And you start to see where God was weaving his plan from the beginning. That none of these pieces were by accident. That it's this love story that God's been working out from the beginning. God formed Adam and Eve in his image and put them in the garden and they blew it. And then that just put this whole plan into motion. And God's been working it out from the beginning right up till now. And I love it. I just, for me, it's an encouragement to my faith. Um, I don't know what it does for you. Other than it cracks Orion up the way I avoid pronouncing some of these names. Um, and it's almost fun for me now to make him laugh mm. and subsequently cry. But it's it, Luke's three chapters into giving the foundation for the ministry of Jesus. 
chapter four, we're going to get into the temptation of Jesus, um, which is really the kind of the pivotal beginning of his ministry. And so um, super excited to keep moving in through the story of Luke. Uh, we'll see where it takes us. Mm-hmm.